to Be by Design, a podcast about unlocking the inner code to the person you were designed to be. The code that you can apply to your way of being, your decision making, and your clarity about what you think and how you feel. Each week, we'll discuss a new level of human design and piece by piece uncover the person you were designed to be and the life you were designed to lead. Join me as we lay out the roadmap through life where you get to be your own hero. Buckle up for the ride of a lifetime to discover true understanding of the person you were meant to be. You get to be in control of your runaway Mustang whenever that happens, remembering you've always got the reins. I'm your host, Britia Kabechka. Let's ride. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be By Design. I am so glad you are here today. And today we have a, another robust topic to talk about. And today I'm going to talk about one of the most impactful of all forces in our lives. And that is the emotional system and the way in which the emotional system operates within our human design. Our emotional center is the triangle on the lower right-hand side of your body graph, if you're looking at it. And physically, the emotional center is located in the solar plexus area of like your chakras and that sort of, of place. In human design, it is the home of our feelings. And we can experience these feelings and sensations in other centers as well, especially in the spleen, if, you're, if you have a, your spleen turned on. And your spleen responds to the input of our senses. However, the emotional center is both a motor center. So it has this pure energy to provide drive in your life. And it's also an awareness center. So it's also a place that has, (laughs) excuse me, the potential of becoming the seat of awareness. So a few episodes ago, we talked about those awareness centers and how Um, how the emotional center is part of that awareness triangle, if you will. And um, so if you didn't listen to that, you can go back and listen to that. But also the fact that it's a motor makes it that much powerful, that much more powerful. So we can make charts of animals and they have a spleen center like we do. uh, But the emotional center is exclusively human. So I believe we talked about that on the last one as well, how um, animals are very intuitive and um, they, they go with their, their splenic kits and they know instinct and intuition. They don't, however, um, express emotion, obviously, the way humans do. I do think they have emotion sometimes. Um, you know, they have happiness and and, and sadness. And I do believe that they really feel those things, but it's not as wild and complex as humans. <laughs> so when people connect with each other, the emotional center is always defined, which means that it becomes active even in people whose charts has an undefined emotional center. For me, this center, I say this with all of them, really, they were all very impactful. But when I was learning human design, this center hit me pretty hard. It's like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because I am an undefined emotional center. But hearing things like this, 
um, that when we connect, our emotional center becomes defined by the other defined person. So then we become emotional beings. And considering that statistically about 50% of the population has a defined emotional center and the remaining 50% are then affected by them, this means that we live in this emotional field that we share and create together. And as the mechanics of human design causes defined emotions to take precedence over all other centers, this turns humanity into an emotional species where the energy is literally flowing between us from the defined emotional beings into the undefined emotional beings. And we collectively feel emotions. And this is so huge to understand which side of that you're on, because knowing what I tell all my clients is like, know that you, your emotions are contagious and your emotions affect every, those around you, you know? And when you look at, at the news and everything that's going on, it seems like the emotion of fear is overwhelming. And once that's being um, portrayed outward, it's collectively gathering, right? So if we can, if we can manage our, ourselves in turn that, that flows out to other people, we really get to, to have an impact on humanity in positive ways. And that's also why they say, be protective of your circle and who you're around because you're going to be affected by their emotions. And if you're around somebody who's constantly down, not that you shouldn't pay attention to people like that, but you know, if you're constantly around somebody who's down and negative and that's going to be, that's going to be kind of projected on you or pulled in through this emotion center. So our emotional energy really fluctuates in these ebbs and flows, like waves in the ocean through this center. And this is where we experience these emotional polarities. We have euphoria and depression and passion and pain and guilt and forgiveness. It goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And through this center, we learn how to process our feelings and experiences with the goal being clarity. And because this center is also a motor center, this is the center of desire, where we're pushed towards experiences that keep us in the highest of highs, while simultaneously we're trying to avoid the lows. This center is also where we work on forgiveness and releasing pain, destructive emotional patterns. When we're really truly living in alignment with the energy of the center, we really feel our interconnectedness with all humanity. And I'm going to quote Gabby Bernstein for a minute. And she says, accepting our oneness helps us re release the ego-based projections we have placed onto the world. Unfortunately, most of us have not been taught to believe in oneness. We believe in the ego's false perceptions. We believe we are separate from everyone else. Fear-based thought deepens the illusion of separation, and that is exactly where we are in the world right now. All of us gaining this concept, and I've talked about this before, if we are thinking about ourselves in, and we are focused on up-leveling our own life and getting into alignment with our human design as a singular person, as just you who's listening right now. 
when you do that, we are not separate. When you do that, you get to pass that on, especially to your kids, to your family, to those closest to you. When you're in alignment, it helps everyone else. It's the whole trickle-down effect. So when we go back to this, what she says, this fear-based thought deepens the illusion of separation. Fear has also taken up residence in this emotional solar plexus area. We're in a period of time in our evolution where we're leaning into our oneness and shared consciousness and evolving away from our separation if you allow yourself to see it. Think about it in terms of our last, you know, election. Like, how many people cast a vote that was motivated that was motivated by fear or anger or a deep sense of helplessness? The shift away from fear and separation is hard and evolutionary, and we're so deep in it together that the only way that we can get out is by focusing on yourself and realizing that we are all connected. So one more note on feelings before I dive into the open versus closed of this center. Um, This is kind of um, not specifically emotional authority. So we are going to talk about open and closed, but this is really deep diving into the emotions together. So let's talk about nervousness. Um, At its most basic core level, when we feel nervous, it's because we're emotionally uncertain about something. Nervousness isn't always bad either, but we can project or predict what's going to happen. So our emotional, we can't predict or project what's going to happen. So our emotional energy just kind of vibrates and fluctuates along that energetic wave until it can find somewhere to land, either scaling up into this full on fear or it dissipates into relief and calm or else you're just going to stay nervous. I was always very nervous barrel racing. If you know my past, I'm a barrel racer. Um, And I would get so nervous, so nervous, I would have to calm myself down. And nervousness isn't a bad thing. It it happens usually if, like he said, if you can't predict what's going to happen, but also if it's me, if it means something to you, right? Like before a big game or before a test, or we feel this emotion in different all all kinds of different times and places. But for me, it was like, okay, so you have this, let's say 16 second barrel run. And I'm like, so nervous leading up to it. So nervous, hardly breathe during the run. And then when I'm, when I'm done with it, I, I feel relief, you know? So it builds up and then it, it releases. And when we feel like this, we get so focused on the feeling that the reality gets distorted, right? And this is why meditation can be our biggest ally in working with emotional solar plexus center, because it is so, so important that we really commit to the practice of shifting into the seat of conscious awareness when that energetic emotional roller coaster starts. And what we do instead of engaging is observe and release. Because outside of my barrel example, if, if you get nervous about something that you feel like is happening in this world, and I go down this road myself sometimes, and I'm open. So you get nervous about something that's gonna, that could be happening in this world. And you go down that, and you go down that, and you go down that, and you're, you're feeling this 
if you focus on that feeling of nervousness and what's going to happen and what's going to happen, your reality is getting distorted. You start going down the what ifs and things that haven't happened yet. And it's a, a worry cycle. So if you can feel this nervousness coming up, you get to disengage from it and you get to observe it. You get to stand back. You get to be like, I see you there. I see you. And I'm not going to let you control my day today. And that's, that could be a lot harder for some, but this is the, the, the job we get to start working on. So in human design terms, our job through the emotional solar plexus center is to observe our emotions and then address and release our fears that no longer serve us. Because with each release, we get one step closer to that oneness. Every fear we cling to, every time we shut down and refuse to experience something based on fear or nervousness or the unknown, observe and release negative emotions. Those negative emotions are what keep us separate. So I've spent a lot of time looking at how we can transform this emotional system, right, into the potential of our third awareness system. And yet it's very important not to assume that the potential for awareness that is there with the solar plexus center is something that determines our actions now. It doesn't. The solar plexus center is one of the, of, um, the body's four motors. So we have four motor centers, and this is one of them. And it is extraordinarily powerful motor, very powerful motor. We know statistics statistically that half of humanity is emotionally defined, which means that the other half of humanity is subject, what we said, to the conditioning of emotions of the other half. And it means that all of us are living in this really dense emotional environment, especially because some people live um, as if their emotions are defined, even when they're not. So, Let's talk about what it means to have a closed or defined emotional solar plexus center. So they carry half of the world here, carries this emotional energy with them all the time. And the kind of emotional waves they experience are determined by the channels that are activated near the center. So fun fact, because people with this center defined also experience their emotions magnified and reflected by those of us with this center open. So a lot of times we get labeled as the over-emotional or emotional unstable ones. So be aware, y'all with this center closed are the hurricanes and the rest of the rest of them with the defined center um, are really the, the weathermen flapping in the wind, clinging to, you know, a pole for dear life. So regardless of the channels with those, those with the defined center, defined emotional center experience their emotions as waves so it's like standing on the beach and watching the tide come in and go out over several days okay some days the tide is super gentle and the the, the undulations in the wave are low and lovely just rolling through other days maybe when a storm is approaching the waves are higher and they just crash to the shore and once that storm passes, you might look out and see the ocean surface just clean as glass. So a helpful exercise, if you have this center defined, is to track your emotions, basically. Keep time and date, list of your emotions over the course of a week. Um, so 
you could also, um, you know, I'm big on bullet journals. You could also create a mood board or a mood page in your bullet journal and just kind of track what, how you're feeling each day. You can put colors, you can do a graph. Um, this doesn't have to look a certain way. Get creative with it. Um, maybe just voice memo it into your phone, but you can say like, let's do a Monday, for instance, Monday, you're like, I'm feeling really frustrated because my coffee spilled all over my lap on the way to work and I just ruined a pair of scrubs and I just can't deal. And by 9.15, you're like, okay, well, I had another pair of clothes when I got to work. So I'm, I'm glad about that. And oh my gosh, somebody else brought breakfast today. So that is so awesome. And then by like 9.20, you're like, well, F around, like now I have to go change my clothes and I'm late and, you know, so, and then two minutes later, you're going to be like, okay, I'm ready to work today. So kind of track how, how this goes for you. Maybe that, you know, maybe that was totally a non-existent thing for you, or maybe it was, but look for patterns. How long does it take for you to shift from one emotion to the other, especially around a specific situation? So the overall goal for this center is to be wise about your emotional cycle and to understand your personal peaks and valleys and plateaus so that you're always in this place of emotional clarity when you're making decisions. So how do you do that? The first rule of having a defined emotional solar plexus center is to make decisions when you're in your feeling, is to never make decisions when you're in your feelings. The second rule of having a defined emotional solar plexus center is to never make decisions when you're in your feelings. So first and second rule, never make decisions when you're in your feelings. Just like those of us with the center undefined, we can engage in super unhealthy behavior, as can you. But for those with it defined, it manifests as this impulsivity, which is making a decision when you're in the highest of high or the lowest of low of your emotional cycle. And until you figure out what your emotional cycle really looks and feels like, it's going to be challenging for you to know when you have the requisite uh, emotional clarity to make a decision. So don't get me wrong, like you still need to feel all your feelings. Please don't shove them under the rug. That's like, you know, the biggest part of the process for you. You need to experience your entire emotional range, practice patience, and wait out the wave. Then you decide. Okay, this is especially true for relationships. Um, you are definitely not engineered to elope with someone you just met or agree to move in with someone you met on, on Tinder after meeting them for coffee the first time. Um, you really need to feel all your feelings with the people you have relationships with and get a sense of how they react before you're able to fully, fully commit. And that's not to say if you're somebody who's listening to that and you've done things that way that it hasn't worked out. That's just a, a word of caution and uh, uh, something that if you haven't done that, probably not the best way to meet somebody. In terms of self-care, your alone time really needs to come when you're in the valley of the emotional wave. So take a bath, take a nap, meditate, 
um, really feel it and then allow it to pass. And remembers, remember rules one and two of the defined emotional centers. Never make a decision when you're in your feelings. So I also want to like give a little a visual for you. And I want you, I, I grew up surfing as well. So barrel racing and surfing, right? I'm in California. I was able to do that where we lived. Um, my, my grandpa, my grandma remarried and my grandpa taught us how to surf. And this is a lot like that in the sense of when you're surfing, if you've ever been surfing, you paddle out, right. And you have to battle the waves as you're going out. You have to go under them. You have to go over them. You get pushed backwards. It's a fight to get out there. Once you get out there, you get to kind of sit in it for a minute. You get to sit on your board and you just wait for the perfect wave. You just wait for your, for your wave to roll in. So, um, when these waves do start coming, you know, they're going to come, they usually come in sets and you can kind of wait for that wave to come. And when you catch it, you're going to catch it and you're just going to ride that the top of that wave all the way in. And then you're going to fall. And then if you don't catch your, your, you know, you, you see on movies when they fall and then the waves keep crashing on them and keep crashing on them and keep crashing on them. It's that's sometimes how it feels for these emotional beings. So for undefined, and I'll get to this in a minute too. I just want to connect it with my visual, but for the undefined, it's like standing on the beach and you can either jump in and add to the chaos or you can like kind of stand back, not let the person drown, of course, but you can stand back and observe and help them through that. Does that make sense? So um, feel your feelings, take note of them. When you're feeling low, feel it, let it pass. So here's another little visual for you if that one didn't hit right. Imagine you're in this body of water, like a, a lake, a tranquil lake. Small decisions are like little pebbles you throw in, okay? So you're the body, you're the lake, you're the body of water. Small decisions are pebbles that are thrown in. And it doesn't take long for your water to, to grow still again, right? So you can see it clear and it's not moving. And you can make a decision from that place of clarity. Now imagine someone is backing up a huge dump truck to roll a big old boulder towards you. Boom, the boulder hits, crashes into the lake, throws out this huge wave, right? And that wave is gonna travel all the way across your lake. Takes much longer for your water to become clear with ripples bouncing back, you know, bouncing off the shore, mud is stirred up. That's a big decision, okay? That's like a career move or uh, getting into a relationship. It takes a lot more time to get clear on those things because these waves are crashing from all the other sides. Your water has to clear up. However, your emotional waters are never going to be completely still because sometimes you're gonna have wind. Sometimes maybe there's like a boat in there. Someone's riding around on a boat or a jet ski because your chemistry creates waves on its own your waters are going to have their own waves. And as emotional defined, defined being, 
you are more like an ocean with varying kinds of waves, depending on what kind of definition you have. Because of the motor function of the solar plexus, you can never get a completely clear picture of decisions. So when you're feeling good, everything looks better. When you're feeling bad, everything looks worse. You can only reach a sense of clarity over time as your waters and your emotional waves keep on moving. You have to find this still moment between waves to get out, to find that clarity. So there's two kinds of authorities. The first thing um, that, that I, I share in human design in relationship to the solar plexus center is to understand something very, very basic. And everything about being yourself is about making decisions correctly as yourself. And in making those decisions correctly as yourself, following your inner authority. And it's that inner, you know, faculty, the inner boss that lets us make decisions in accordance to our unique life force. And when we decide according to our authority, the choices we make will work. When we say yes to the people, career opportunities, um, living situations, opportunities that come from other places, that fit our energy. They're going to fit perfectly. In human design, we have two kinds of authorities. We have an outer authority, and this is the where the mind lives, right? This is ideal for the mind. In other words, that my mind is potential is potentially of value to you, but it's not of value to me when it comes to making decisions about my life. My mind has an outer authority. So one of the great difficulties for most people is that based on not self-conditioning of our open centers, the mind is conditioned to become the authority. And when our mind becomes the authority, the false inner authority, we're unable to live as ourselves because we're living outside of ourselves. That's not the way you're created to be. That's not what's in your design. So the first thing to recognize about the nature of the solar plexus center is that when the solar plexus center is defined in somebody's chart, again, half of all charts, what you're looking at is the authority, the inner authority in your life. In other words, in order for emotional beings to make a decision that's correct, to make a decision that's of value to them as a person, as a being, a decision that's going to allow them to live their life correctly as themselves, that decision has to be based solely on their emotions. That's it. The biggest thing here is that there is no truth in the now. I know it sounds crazy, but there's no truth in the now. Anyone who has this emotional center defined to, to understand that for for them, there's no truth in the now. It's very important to grasp this. There's no truth. And what I mean by no truth in the now is that there is no absolute truth in the now, in the moment. It doesn't mean that there's not an aspect of truth there now. But the whole thing about being an emotional person is recognizing that the way in which you actually grasp things is by seeing them from different perspectives. So this is really a gift. It's a it's a beautiful gift that you have if you have this emotional authority. It's very different from somebody who is splenic and spontaneous like myself, who can only recognize something in the moment and has to accept right then, right there, given the nature of my authority being splenic. 
So whatever it is that, that I decide it's in that moment. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm very clear about those things. <laughs> it simply means that I'm responding spontaneously, responding spontaneously, which is correct for splenic authority. That is very incorrect for um, emotional authorities. So for instance, I'm somebody who has to make a decision in the, in the moment, like ask me, let's go, let's do it. I'm ready to move or I'm not ready to move or I'm questioning it. So for me, my son is emotional authority. If I were to go to him and be like, make a decision right now, what's it going to be? Yes, no. What are we doing? That's not fair. That's conditioning him to live as a splenic authority. And that's not fair for him. Same way with my husband, who's also emotional authority. If I'm like, okay, we have to do this right now. What's it going to be? He cannot physically make decisions like that. It, he's like, I can't even think about that right now. I'm like, okay. So I know learning through human design that I have to give him time on, especially big decisions. I have to give him time to find that clarity. And he doesn't even understand all of this. He's like, you know, so. Um, but that's the way that he, he operates naturally. So learning this to be an emotional being is to have this opportunity to really see things with a great deal of depth. And that's a gift in dealing with the solar plexus motor. We don't talk about awareness, right? We talk about clarity, about being clear. So of course, being clear doesn't really mean that you get to a point of absolute clarity, this is one of the most difficult things for emotional beings to deal with is that they never get to a, like a certain point where their emotional system is operating in a wave and it's never going to give them hundred percent clarity about anything over time, because by the time they get to that clarity, there's another wave coming in. It's constantly in motion. The moment as an uh, emotional person, you've got hundred percent certainty that you really know that there's no truth in the now in that. Because an emotional being can never be absolutely, absolutely clear. That's why time is essential ally for emotional people. So we just talked about how the motor operates in a wave. And it's a wave that moves through what we call a mood swing, right? That is, it's a wave that moves from the low to the high or the high to the low and back again. And it never really stops. It's not like you can put an end to the wave. Like you can't stop the ocean. You can't fix it. It's not like some sort of medicine is going to give you the opportunity to have healthier emotional system. It just is what it is. And I talk about this on every single one. It's not good or bad. It just is what it is. It's not right or wrong. This is just how you are. And now you have the gift of knowing this and you get to experiment and figure out how it's showing up in your life. It's one of the most important things for emotional beings to understand that being emotional for you, for them is the most natural thing in the world. It's not bad to be emotional, but how they make their decisions is what really is going to condition whether their emotional life is really going to bring them what's correct for them. And all of that has to do with patience. So think about the way in which the clarity operates, right? Because emotional systems are moving in this wave. And because that wave is, you know, 
it is a way in which the emotional being perceives the world around them. Okay. Their world is colored by where they are in the wave. If you're at the bottom of the wave, everything is going to have this dark blue tinge to it. Okay. Think if you're under the ocean, if you're under the water, it's a lot darker. Everything you look at has that quality. And of course, that's not necessarily the truth. It may allow you to glimpse aspects of the truth and everything so that you don't see both the dark side and the light side of all that's there. But it's essential to grasp that as an emotional being, as you move through your wave, what you're really collecting is perspectives. And in collecting all of those perspectives slowly but surely, you're going to build up this composite. And it's that composite upon which you find your clarity. So there are three kinds of emotional authority. So different wave frequencies of emotion caused by a source of wave that generates them. There are the tribal ratcheting. There's an individual spike and a collective crash waves. So there's also three types of emotional authority, the manifested, generated, and projected. So three of them. Um, so when we talk about how these waves operate in different time frames, there are some emotional situations in which like, you don't need a lot of time to be clear. And there are some situations or relationships in which it may take many, many years for you to be clear, such as like, you know, parents and siblings and children. And this can be long processes. So what's different? uh, What a difference like our world would be if emotional beings could simply accept that there is no truth for them in the now. And that patience is something that's going to bring them extraordinary reward all living in your design and living in your authenticity of how you make decisions. Our emotional system can easily be seen as a villain. You know, people talk about a lot like, oh, she's so emotional or, oh, my emotions get the best of me. But it's an essential ingredient of life. That's how we were built and created to have these emotions. It's our drive in life. It's our pleasure. It's really what forces us to go out and find resources and food and so many other things that are important to us. And it's really this emotional system that can make us feel good about being in the body, being in love, being full after a good meal, like whatever it might feel for you. When emotional beings start operating correctly and when they start honoring their emotional authority and when they start being patient. Not only does their process change, but they get to make decisions correctly. And that changes their life and everyone's lives around them. So learning to be patient and wait. It is so important to know that the decision process needs this emotional input to start with. Okay, this is what activates your motor of the emotional center. The steps that that you have to take to kind of give voice to the awareness of your waves and how they're coming in. Okay. Um, you get to, to take those steps. You get to, if you start to, to take the steps in awareness, okay. In a group situation or a couple situation, when each person is capable of honoring both their feeling response and their awareness of it, they get to express their emotional response to the matter at hand without overbearing the other person. 
it's a way to tap the communal intelligence of the group or the couple in the relationship. And it brings it to a decision which is good, at least acceptable for everyone. So not letting your emotions rule the conversations, right? What's really important to recognize that if you are an emotional being, the most important thing for you to learn in this life is that you cannot allow others to dictate to you when you respond or act to anything. So important. Emotional people are always being brought to premature action, just like I was talking about pushing my husband or my son into making a a decision right then and there. So this is part of the experiment that you have to do on yourself in order to fully find what this means for you and tap into your own authority is that it's really hard for emotional beings to have their process of deconditioning. It's a super powerful motor. And it's very difficult at times to wait because your motor's like, okay, let's go, let's move on this. And yet each time you experiment with that, each time you sleep on something before you make up your mind, each time you push somebody away and say, wait, I need to process this. I have to think about it. Each time you take that step, it becomes easier and easier and easier for you to honor your emotional authority and find that emotional clarity. So there's so many important things here, right? But if you have this, we're going to wrap it up a little bit. If you have this emotional center defined, learn patience, avoid that premature action. Don't let others push you to make that decision or condition you. The the capacity to accept what is, to endure that nervousness and upset or excitement without acting from a high point, either extreme, emotional extreme is the utmost importance for you to learn. That patience allows you to experience the wave. You get to ride the whole thing or your mood swings or whatever it is, you know, practice allows you to make decisions from the middle of the wave, from that peace and calm. So regardless of the kind of emotional authority you have, if you're a manifester, a generator or projector, you need time to experience this emotional clarity. You need time to ride the wave. Wait for zero emotional turbulence on decision before you move forward on anything, because there's no absolute truth in the now. You're here to know and experience every emotion. You're here to move forward when you're clear about your impact, if you're a manifester, when you're clear about your response as a generator, or if you've been invited to something, if you're a projector. Truth reveals itself as a sense of clarity over time as you experience all of these perspectives from riding your own emotional wave. So how do we get to do this? How do we, you know, your feelings are wild and we're living in a world that tries to be civilized and everyone needs to be, you know, quiet and calm and not, not feel all the feels. This leads to suppress your feelings, right? Suppress your feelings goes against, when you suppress your feelings, it goes against your nature. While letting them spill out all over the place kind of creates another wild mess. So the wildness of your feelings is living a connection to what happens in the world around you. Your emotional waves can create this richness when you get to become a master surfer of them. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you some things that you get to do 
because the answer lies in the awareness quality of your emotions, which allows you to welcome feelings as they arise in you without the need to repress or feel compelled to throw them out and get rid of them. So here's some tips on awareness. Okay. Take full responsibility. The stimulus may come from the outside, yet every feeling is your own. With this comes a certain consideration for the people around you. It may or may not be a good idea to share your feeling journey with them. Sometimes it's more appropriate to experience the full range of your feelings when you're alone. It doesn't mean that you have to dump them on other people, you know. The second thing is that when emotions overwhelm you, you have allies. You have art. You can do it in any sort of uh, form. You can paint, you can dance, you can sculpt, you can sing. You can do active things or you could do passive things. Listen to music, read a book. When these emotions overwhelm you, remember that you express your feelings through the, this work, through painting. You don't need to create some masterpiece, right? You don't have to be an artist. It's more about finding an outlet for something greater than you and a way to come to a place of stillness. Meditations, finding the calm in the storm. So those are some things you can do. Um, my bullet journal, that's a way that I use my, my artistic ways and get out of, you know, the feelings, even though I'm not defined, but um, a bullet journal. There'll be something coming up on that by the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. But here's a recap. We're going to, this is where I'm going to wrap it up. Recap. If your solar plexus is defined, the emotional frequency of your defined gates are hardwired into how you consistently experience your life. Remember to wait out your waves of emotions for decision-making as you have this very unique time frequency. It's not about explaining or controlling your emotions. It's not about that. Release your emotions when and how it feels correct for you. Otherwise, it's going to feel like chaos. When you push your stuff down, when you repress your emotions, you know, as most of us are trained to do as kids, especially if you have undefined emotional parents or parents who don't understand emotional intelligence, they're going to try to push down your emotions. This can cause all kinds of physical problems. Remember to breathe and allow these emotions to be felt. In this simple act, you honor who you are as an emotional being and allow your connection to spirit to be open. This is who you're created to be. There is no truth in the now. For you as an emotional being, you are designed to explore and feel things more than others. You get to take in these experiences deeply over time. You simply cannot be in a hurry to make decisions as you are here to come to profound decisions. By seeing the blue skies up top, and seeing the darker colors underneath the ocean. A good rule is to always at least sleep on it. Be hard to get when it comes to committing uh, your energy to experiences. Correct decisions are going to come from a sense of emotional, not mental clarity over time. And what matters is that your awareness and cultivation of what it feels like to operate correctly. You're here to learn the lessons and experience what patience brings 
allows you to reveal in the rewards of being emotional. And what are those rewards? A depth of perception over time, which gives you a beautiful richness and a complexity to life that brings pleasure to us as physical creatures and makes us wonderfully human. You get to experience all of it. And that's what you're here to do. So thank you for joining me on this episode of Be By Design. I hope that one hit for you if you are an emotional being or if you are undefined and know somebody who is an emotional being or emotional authority. This really helps me as a mom and a wife um, lead conversations in, in how we make decisions and um, not, not force or pressure my two emotional authorities in the house to make decisions the way I do, which is very quickly and knowingly. So uh, I hope you have a great day. Remember to rate and subscribe and share with your friends. I am so glad to be doing another episode and I'm just so glad you are here listening today. So let me know, make sure you join Be By Design Facebook group or follow me on Instagram at Bertia K. So I can meet you and see your face and uh, let me know how, how you're liking it. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time on Be By Design.